Well, welcome back to the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast. I am really thankful that um, you spent a little bit of time with me. Uh, we're going to cover part two of a talk that we're calling It's About Time. We're talking about time management. Again, I'm really grateful to those of you that are sharing the podcast with other people. Um, if it's helpful to you and you want to get the word out, that's really meaningful to me. Uh, if you're on the West Coast, I will be teaching on leadership on uh, February the 16th and the 18th. Andy Stanley and I do um, one-day leadership events in six or seven cities a year, and we will be in San Francisco on the 16th. We'll be in Seattle on the 18th. You can uh, get information at catalystconference.com if you'd ever like to join us. It's a really fun day, and uh, it's one of my favorite things that we get to do. At the end of this session, I'm going to give you some questions, and I really hope that you'll take the questions seriously. We don't want to just hear content. We actually want to apply it. And so if you want to go through this with team members, your volunteers, other people that you work with, even your family, and ask these questions together, I think they can be helpful to um, build us all into better leaders. Uh, talking about questions, I want to uh, cover a few questions. If you have any, please email me at leadershipatlife.church, leadershipatlife.church. We've got a lot of questions that came in last month, and I'll... Um, uh, wrestle with a few of the questions today. The first one comes from Derek Severson. Derek asked a uh, really good question. I thought Derek said, how do I move from an employee into a leadership role within my organization? How do I move from an employee into a leadership role in my organization? Well, it's awesome, Derek, that you want to grow. And since I don't know anything about your organization, it's really hard for me to speak directly to it. But I'll give you just some thoughts that I hope are helpful. Many would pe many people would tell you that you need to just get better at what you do. Just get better at what you do. Just get better at what you do. And I think that's a great place to start. You always want to get better at what you do. But my advice would be something different. Don't just get better at what you do, but get better about how you think. And I think this is really, really important if you want to be in a leadership role. Um, leadership isn't as much about what you do as it is about how you think. And whenever I'm working with our team, one of the biggest mindset changes that I try to help them create is this. I want them to think like an owner, not like an employee. I want them to think like an owner, not like an employee. For example, um, every week we go in and grab Subway sandwiches when my kids are at soccer. And I went into a Subway, and there was a guy that was just working frantically. He cared about all these details, and he was just going to town. And I was watching as someone else was doing the sandwiches, and this guy was obsessing. And so I just kind of walked up to him and struck up a conversation. And I said, how many Subway franchises do you own? And he looked up at me and said, how do you know I'm the owner? I said, because employees don't obsess like you do. I mean, some do, but it's pretty rare. And he said, well, I own five of these, and I own a liquor store as well. And I mean, it just screamed out to me, this guy is not working like an employee this guy is working like an owner, and it showed simply in the way he was thinking about the store, how the things that he was doing. So what we want to do is we want to think like an owner, not like an employee. And there's a different, there's a different mindset. Here's just a few differences. Um, employees tend to work for the business, and again, they're amazing employees. I'm not, I'm not ditching employees, but employees work for the business. Owners work on the business. There's a difference. There's a difference in the way you think. Um, typically, employees will spend money. Okay, I'm going to spend this. Um, owners invest money. In other words, in, in my mind, I'm not spending money through my organization. I'm investing it 
in places that will bring a return. It's a different mindset. I want to put money into things that bring growth and impact lives. Employees typically want to know what's in it for me. Okay, The best employees who think like owners, they're going to say, what's in it for the business? Or what's in it for my organization? What's in it for my ministry? So in order to change the way you think, I always recommend that you find someone who's like five or six steps ahead of you. Not just someone who's one step ahead of you, because they're going to kind of give you tweaks. But find someone five or six steps ahead of you. They'll give you what I call the gift of disorientation. Like, oh my gosh, I've never thought of that. Like, wow, oh, I never thought of that. And so you want to get someone that really rattles you in a significant way and helps you see things from a totally different perspective. Find someone way ahead of you. And what you want to do, and this this sounds small and minute, but it's really important. You want to find out what they think about, find out what they see, and find out what they care about. What you're going to find is that a leader thinks about things that a regular employee doesn't think about. A leader is going to see things that a regular employee doesn't see. A leader is going to care about things that a regular employee is not going to care about. And what we want to do is we want to learn to think higher, see broader, and care deeper. Let me say it again. We're going to think higher, see broader, and care deeper. We're going to think higher because how you think determines who you become. We're going to see broader because what you see determines where you can go or where you can take an organization. We're going to care deeper because what you care about determines what you can be trusted with. I want my team members to think higher, see broader, and care deeper. When they care about what I care about, I can trust them. When they start to see the things I can see, they can help us all take the organization where we want it to go. When they think like I think, we can all become better and make a bigger impact. Derek, I love your question. I hope you do get promoted into leadership roles. I hope you get better, think higher, care deeper, and see broader. Scott Osmond asked this question. He asked, how do you lead an unmotivated person that doesn't have your passion about the job you do? How do you lead an unmotivated person? Scott, I got bad news for you. That's a tough one, okay? It's not impossible, but it's not easy to motivate a person who's not motivated. I would suggest you start with why. Guess what? That would be a great book title. In fact, it is a great book title by Simon Sinek. He says, start with why. Uh, give them the why that what they do is important. Give them the why. Why does what you do matter? Help them see why what they do is important because people will work for a what, but they'll give their lives for a why. So when they do something right, you say, hey, here's why what you did made a massive difference. When they drop the ball, you say, listen, i got to be honest with you. Here's why what you didn't do cost us significantly. We're going to try to do everything we can to help them see why what they do really matters. And hopefully, the why will motivate them. When we're hiring, that's why we always try to hire doers, not just thinkers. Thinkers are good. Doers are even better. I want to hire doers, not thinkers. Andy Stanley says this. He says, it's easier to educate a doer than to motivate a thinker. Boom. Take that to the bank. It's easier to educate a doer. It's easier to train them if they're already doing things than to motivate a thinker. I want to hire someone who's biased for action. Bottom line is this. If you cannot motivate them, I suggest you move them or remove them because an unmotivated, lazy team member negatively impacts the whole organization. And if you as a leader do not deal with this person, then that person is not the problem. 
you're actually the problem. Great question. I hope you can bring some fire under that person and get them moving. So let's uh, review last session as we talked about time, and let's, let's dive into part two, talking about time management. We're calling it It's About Time. Quick review. Big thought from last session was this. If you want a strong marriage, if you want to raise strong and grounded children, if you want to lead a growing, God-honoring organization, you must learn to manage your time wisely. The result of poor time management, what is it? It's well-intentioned leaders who consistently allow the urgent to overwhelm the important. So we're going to do two things. Number one, we schedule our values. And number two, we say no to many big things to say yes. We say no to many small things to say yes to a few big things. Number one, we schedule our values. Wise time management does not mean you do more, but you do more of what matters most. The difference between the values you embrace and the life you live equals the frustration you experience. We're putting the big things on the calendar first. We're going to say no to many small things, to say yes to a few big things. The barrier to a meaningful life is not a lack of commitment for most of us. It's overcommitment. So we're not just going to be busy. We're not going to say, could we do this? We're going to say, should we do this? And we're going to do the big things that have the highest impact. All right. New content number three. How do we manage our time wisely? And I absolutely love this thought. I'm obsessed with it. I hope you will be too. Number three, we're going to create what I call artificial deadlines. We're going to create artificial deadlines for increased effectiveness. What in the world is an artificial deadline? Well, it is an artificial deadline. Okay, What it is is we're going to create a deadline that is not real, but to us, we're going to treat it as if it's real. Why does this help? Well, so many people are indecisive. I had a team member one time who was massively indecisive, and I asked him, are you indecisive? And you know what he said? He said, well, huh, yes and no. <laughs> I'm like, of course you are. You can't even answer this question. What we're going to do is we're going to set some artificial deadlines ahead of the real deadline, and it's going to force us to be more decisive and to, uh, to tackle our projects more aggressively. Let me give you one of mine. Um, I preach every Saturday night a new message, Saturday and Sunday. And so technically, my message would be due by Saturday night when I start preaching. But I have an artificial deadline that to me has been real since the beginning of our organization, and that is by Wednesday at noon, my message is due. It's not due to anyone else, but it's due to me. Why? There's so many reasons. Biggest of which is I'm not any good to anybody until that's off my plate. Once that's done, I can come out of the message prep time and go, okay, oh, okay, that one's done. Now I'm available to make decisions. Now I can help lead people. And so for me, I put that, it's an artificial deadline. It's not real to anyone else, but it's very, very real to me. So your budget may be due in 30 days, but in your mind, you're going to make it due in 15 days. It's going to force you to be efficient and you're actually going to move faster. Uh, here's what I found. When you put a deadline, people move much, much quicker. Here's a crazy example. We do in our organization what I call the coin toss decision. Uh, a lot of times, people will postpone a decision for days, weeks, even months, when deep down, they kind of already know what they're going to do. So sometimes I'll say, are you going to do this project or are you going to let someone else do it? And I, I'm not sure. I need to pray about it. I need to think about it. So all right, I'm going to throw this coin up in the air. Ready? When it goes up, by the time it lands, you tell me yes or no. Coin goes up in the air. Imagine it flipping in slow motion. Whew. Person looks panicked. Coin peaks at the top. It starts to come down. And what does the person do? Yes, I'll do it. Okay. What did they just do? 
Well, they just made a decision that very likely they're going to make three weeks from now. They know in their heart it's the right thing to do. I just put a deadline on it. I forced them to make a decision really, really quickly. And as crazy as that sounds, yes, it is a little crazy. Yes, it is a little bit of torture. I understand that. Okay, let's deal with it. It, it forces people to make fast decisions. You won't always want to do that, but there are times when you just put an artificial deadline. I've got to make the decision now. Let's make it. Uh, think about this. I call it the vacation principle. Imagine if you're leaving next Wednesday for vacation to a place you've always wanted to go, but you've got Monday through Friday worth of work to get done. If you're leaving on Wednesday, what happens? Do, 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 do. Magically, you get all your work done by Wednesday. How did you do that? How did you do it? Well, the artificial deadline helps you do three things. Number one, it helps you make decisions faster. We just talked about that. If you got to go by Wednesday, you're on your A game. You're making decisions. Number two, it forces you to delegate what others can do. Like, ah, uh, someone else could do that, so I've only got to Wednesday. I'm going to delegate that. Number three, it trains you to eliminate what you shouldn't be doing in the first place. I can't really get that. That's not really that important, so I'm not going to do it. Artificial deadlines. You make decisions faster. You delegate what others could do. You eliminate what you shouldn't be doing. For me, I leave the office every day at 3.45. I go to the gym. Okay. How do you get it all done, Craig? I promise you, I am more efficient with a hard deadline than I would be if I had an open-ended day. If I just simply said, I'm going to stay until I get it all done, I never get it all done. Okay? I'd be here till 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock. I wouldn't be as fast. I wouldn't be as focused. But this artificial deadline, it trains me. It forces me. It equips me to think faster, to delegate, and to eliminate things that are not important. I am far better with a 345 hard day-ending deadline than I would be with an open-ended deadline. And before long, because of this, I'm going to get better results with less effort. Better results with less effort. I learned this lesson. I took a, a seminary course called, called Biblical Archaeology. This course about kicked my tail. We had to read one book every single week. Then the professor would ask us one question from the book. So there's like 20, 25 of us in this class. And he said, okay, John, here's your question. One question in the book. Craig, one question from the book. Well, week number one, I obsessed. I read every word of the book. I panicked, I missed the question. Week number two, I read the whole book, word for word. He asked me, I missed the question. The guy next to me got them both wrong. I'm like, how are you doing this? What's going on? He said, are you reading the whole book? I'm like, of course, you have to to get the question right. He said, no, 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 no. You're going to get bogged down in the details. You can't comprehend the big ideas. He said, what I do is I just read the first sentence of every paragraph. Therefore, I get the big ideas. I do it in almost no time, and I can get it right. I'm like, well, I'll try this because I'm 0 for 2 right now anyway. So the next week, I simply read the first sentence of every paragraph, and guess what? For the rest of the semester, I never missed a question. I wasn't bogged down in the details. My mind wasn't wandering. I was getting the big ideas, and what did I have? I had better results with less effort. The same thing is now true in my preaching. Uh, for years, I did what I called overcooking a message. In other words, I'd, I'd obsess about every last detail. Now, I spend a little more time preparing my heart, a little less time in front of the computer. I've got less effort and a better result. At the end, my heart is carrying the load more than just my mind. When my heart is prepared, I can take what's in my mind and do a better job. So what are we doing as leaders? We're creating artificial deadlines for increased effectiveness. We're going to have a better end result with less effort, and this can be a game changer. So 
Number three, create artificial deadlines for increased effectiveness. Number four, and this is massively important, we're going to empower others as if your future depends on it, because it does. Okay? How do we manage our time? We're going to empower others as if our future depends on it, because it does. And I'm going to do a whole one or two or three podcasts on empowering other people because this is the key to leadership all day long, and we have to get this right. Um, I heard John Maxwell say years ago, he said, if someone can do something 80% as well as you, give it to them to do. I, I totally agree with John, and I would even take it now later in, in my leadership, I take it a little further than John did. I would say if someone could do it 50 or 60% with momentum, um, as well as you, give it to them. If they can do it half as good as you and they've got significant upside momentum, give it to them, let them grow into it because over time, someone with momentum, they may start at 50%, 60%, 70%. Then one day, if that's all they're doing, they can do it 110% as well as you. Do not be afraid to delegate. Um, a lot of times, there's a problem in how people delegate. And I've talked about this before, but it's really, really important. People think, um, I just, I'm delegating if I just give some, someone something to do. This isn't the best type of delegation. Let me give you two thoughts. If you delegate tasks, you will build followers. And let me unpack that. Um, go set the chairs up this way. Um, go run the numbers this way. Go, um, go uh, tell these people to do this exactly this way. Go build this for me this way. Okay? What we're doing is we're, we're creating people who do what they're told. If you delegate tasks, you will build followers. If, on the other hand, you delegate authority, you will build leaders. There's a big difference. I want you to think about this. If we delegate authority, hey, uh, I want you to go take this project and run with it. It's totally different. Um, I want you to go do the research on this and come back and bring me a recommendation. It's totally different. Okay. If you delegate tasks, you will build followers. If you delegate authority, you will build leaders. And this is really important. You will never attract, build, and retain great leaders unless you empower them to lead. People always say, how do you find great leaders? How do you find great leaders? You do not find great leaders. You build great leaders. How do you keep great leaders? How do you keep great leaders? You let them lead. If you're always telling them what to do, you're not allowing them to lead. You give them authority, and then they have the power to create on their own, and they lead. That's how you build. That's how you attract. That's how you retain great leaders is you let them lead. So as your organization grows, you as a leader should not do more. Check this out. You actually do less. Okay? Let that sink in. Time management. You don't do more. You actually do less. But the less that you do has a bigger impact on your organization. We talked last time about a to-don't list. This is really, really big. You should add three to five things to your to-don't list every year, if not more. Delegate, empower, give away, uh, cut things that don't matter at all. You don't do more, you do less. But the less that you do has a bigger impact. And this is true for your organization as well. The best organizations don't try to do it all. The best organizations do a few things and they do them really, really well. As an organization, if you want to be massively effective, don't keep adding, 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 adding. Stay within your sweet spot and do the things that have the highest return. Ask yourself, what can I invest into this organization that brings about the maximum impact and maximum return? So, let's review um, with some questions. Thought number three for the day was this. Create artificial deadlines for increased effectiveness. What does it do? 
We make decisions faster. We delegate what others could do. We eliminate things that we should not do. We're going to empower others. We're going to give it away. We're going to let them lead. If we delegate tasks, we build followers. If we delegate authority, we create leaders. So the questions for you to reflect on with your team or to do yourself would be these. Number one, what artificial dead, what, what is an artificial deadline that you can impose to help increase productivity and efficiency? Think about that. What is it? Maybe for you, it would be more than one, but what is an artificial deadline that you can impose to help you increase productivity and efficiency? It doesn't even have to be like me. The message is due on Wednesday. Maybe I'm leaving at four o'clock or I'm, have, I'm taking the evening off or whatever it is. Okay. Number two, what are three things you can delegate? What are three things you can delegate? Who will you give them to and by when? This is really, really big. Okay. You're going to empower other people. They're going to get better. They're going to have more buy-in. They're going to free you up to do the things that you do best that have the highest return on your organization. What are three things you can delegate? Who will you give them to and by when? Number three, organizationally. Now, this is for you all to look at, okay? What are you still doing that has lost effectiveness and needs to be dramatically changed or eliminated? Okay, organizationally. What are you still doing today that's lost effectiveness, maybe it's not profitable, maybe it's not having a return, whatever it is, but it needs to be dramatically changed or more likely it needs to be eliminated or stopped, okay? If you want notes from this, they will be available at life.church slash leadership podcast. If we can get them uploaded in time, they'll be available at craigroshellbooks.com. Again, if this is helpful, I'd love for you to tell other people about it. We will be back again next month on the first Thursday of the month with a brand new podcast. Remember as leaders, be yourself. There's nobody like you. People would rather follow a leader who's always real than one who's always right. Thanks for joining us for the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. We'll have a new episode available for you next month. So be sure to subscribe so you can get it automatically when it's released on Thursday, March 3rd. To find resources, discussion questions, and show notes, go to www.life.church/leadershippodcast. And if you have a question for Craig, email it to leadership@life.church. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time at the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast.